Welcome to the Silva Scoop podcast. Sit back, grab a cup of coffee, and get the scoop on everything from fitness to lifestyle to business and more. Welcome back to the Silver Scoop Podcast. It is a dark and stormy night tonight for us. Pun intended. Literally. We're drinking dark and stormies. And it's dark and stormy. It's Friday night. We were going to do happy hour somewhere, but we decided because it was dark and stormy, we were going to do happy hour at home. Save money. Save time. Save the effort of having to like... Look nice, you know? Walk through the rain. Yeah. This is way better. And now we can record a podcast in the comfort of our own home, in pajamas. It's really nice. Yeah. It's really, really nice. But we do, we have had this new tradition, like for the last month, where I think just, first of all, we have the best jobs in the world and... It's not like we're, like, living for the weekend, really, because we have a really chill life in a lot of ways. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, well, I guess you're not a, you're about to be living for the weekend, which we'll talk about. But um, you know what I mean? Like, we just have kind of – we're not, like, stressed all the time at an office, you know, and, like, excited to go out for happy hour. Yeah, every day um, feels pretty much the same. Yeah, so – just, like, good and bad. Yeah, yeah, but but that is the thing. We're kind of like home all the time, which we've talked about on episodes. Like, you got to get out of your own environment, all that stuff. So I think well, a couple like four weeks ago, I had the spread idea that we should start doing like happy hour every Friday, make it a tradition, because we can. We have that luxury because we're off work, you know, whenever on Friday. Yeah, yeah. For now. But the nice thing about like going somewhere Monday through Friday or whatever days you work and then having those days off, let's say two-day weekend, it makes the weekend much more exciting. There's so much more anticipation because you've waited all week for it. It's like two exceptional days that you get to do something where you can't do it the rest of the week. Whereas when you when you don't have a weekend because every day is kind of the same, whether it's the weekend or not, then no day feels special. No day feels exciting. Yes. That's with being like a business owner, you kind of never have a day off, you know? So on the weekends, that's when I'm like wanting to do things I can't do during the week. We train on Saturdays. Mostly it's been Alex. I'm going to train tomorrow, but lately it's been Alex training Saturdays. But it's like I've always kind of worked Saturdays doing whatever it is I'm doing, you know, since the beginning of me in the fitness industry, and Sundays are like my day to write client programs, work on business stuff, admin stuff, and then like clean the house. So I feel like I've never really had like a fun weekend day, just never had a fun day. But since Scarlett's been born and Alex has been able to train Saturdays, I feel like Saturday is kind of my day, you know? It's like the day we would go to the beach or like I'm going to a baby shower tomorrow. I don't know. You know what I mean? It's like a little more, it's like less about work, more about play. Yeah. One day a week. But that, that's the one nice thing about a nine to five. You can, you grind Monday through Friday, but you most likely don't have to think about work at all. Like, like there's no at greater all. feeling than being in a Monday through Friday situation, whether that's school or a job. 
than that Friday afternoon feeling where you cut loose. Like, there's no better feeling. Yeah. It's like a Christmas Eve feeling, but it's a little bit less once a week. It's great. That's, uh, I mean, th- there's pros and cons always, but that is like my main complaint, right? Wouldn't you say? It's like, it's, I'm always working. I can always be doing something. Yeah. There's always I mean, things I need to do. You have just as much time, if not more, significantly more time off of work in that but situation. I, but but like it's I, harder. Don't because people think for some reason that me working is just my physical hours training. No, no, not at all. All the admin stuff I do. Alex walks up here into my office today. He's like, What are you doing? I look like I'm just chilling because I'm sitting in my chair, feet up, drinking a protein shake. I'm on my phone. He's like, What are you doing? I'm like, Oh, I'm texting an online client, reviewing her form because she sent me workout videos. Like, I'm not. I'm not just, like, on Instagram all day long when I'm not training. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's always things I need to be doing. There's people texting me, like, clients. Just, it's, I feel like it's never-ending. Like, I'll wake up and be like, oh, my gosh, I never answered this this prospective client. You know? Like, there's just always something that I need to be doing. So, it's good and bad. But everyone that I talk to that has the same complaints as me, because they're business owners, they're like, yeah, but, you know, you wouldn't want to have it any other way. I'm like, yeah, I know. You're right. Right. You're right. And at least it's isolated on one thing, which also may be good or bad. Like, you know, just having one thing, you burn out quicker. Like, because I feel that too. I feel that with the guard all the time. Like, I'm con- like, I constantly have things that I need to be doing with that. And sometimes I push it to the side because there's other more important things like training sometimes. or like taking care of Scarlett or uh, whatever the case may be. Uh, Today, I actually had this period of time where I was like, I have all these things that I need to do, but I don't have enough time. And it's funny because like with music, we have all these backed up things. I'm getting text messages, emails, like this guy's got a job that he needs to pay us for. This other guy's got a song we're collaborating on. There's like four different projects happening at once and like I'm not working on any of them. And then with... Um, the the new job, like there's this requirements that I need to do for that. By are, the are end you going to go into the new job? Are you going to tell the people what the the new job is? Uh, once I officially get the job, you haven't gotten the job. Well, I did get the job, but it's awkward. It's, it's all contingent upon the background check going smooth. Can you give them hints? Uh, so it's for another financial firm. You act like all of our listeners know everything about your life. Well, I talked about it on the first episode. They don't. Oh, well, not everyone listens to the first Or the second episode. episode. Um, but, yeah, I worked at Merrill a few years. It's probably the longest amount of time I've spent in, like, a a corporate um, role was in finance. And so I worked at Merrill, and uh, then I took a hiatus from that with COVID and National Guard activations and and running the business here. And so then... Now going back into finance, but at uh, another company, Fidelity, assuming everything goes smooth, um, which is actually right across the street. So, not from us, from Merrill, from Merrill, his old job, and he would be doing that Monday through Friday. So it'll be like a shift for us for sure. But it's exciting because it just means I don't know it'll we can be, be closer. Well, first of all, 
It's helpful for like benefits and all that, like the adult stuff. And then we're going to be closer to I think some of our long-term goals with you getting this job. Yeah, I think so. We're and it'll be nice. Like it's what they told me is it's one week. You do one week in the office when we get out of the office, which is just nice after the past couple of years where everybody's been home all the time. Mm-hmm. It'd be nice to like have a place to go to work, mm-hmm. but not all the time. Just I like, agree. That's like a very nice um, balance between the two. Yeah, like as soon as you start feeling burnt out of going there, you get a week. You get a, yeah, yeah. So that's good. Yeah, I love that. Um, so anywho, why are we talking about that? Uh, I don't know. We but were to, we got we're drinking here. dark and stormy. So dark and this stormies. is going to be a wreck of a, an episode. No. So, um, we were going to talk about. The latest headline in the news. This is we're saying we're one recording of, one this. One of the many. One of the many. We're recording this on September 9th. So this week the news, the major news headline was about what's her name? Eliza Fletcher. Yeah. And to be honest, I really haven't read that much about it because she was a runner that got like kidnapped and she was murdered. And on her run. And I don't need to read stuff like that because I'm paranoid enough whenever I'm on a run or a walk outside. It doesn't matter the time of day. It could be noon and there could be cars all around. I am on high alert, very vigilant, very anxious. (laughs) So I didn't need to read into it. But ironically, of course, I'm like telling Alex about it barely, right? Like I was just like, oh, well, did you hear about that girl? No, I sent you like an article. Not an article. I sent you like a post someone shared on Facebook, right? Yeah, yeah. And she was like just telling, I guess, like her own story about a similar thing where she was on a run and there was someone sketchy. But she was referencing the Eliza Fletcher murder. And I sent it to Alex and he was like, wait, what? What's going on? What? I'm like, wait, you didn't hear? You didn't hear about this girl that got murdered? So then he had to take it into his own hands and like fully research the whole thing. And now I kind of know <laughs> everything about it. Yeah, kind of went down the rabbit hole yesterday morning. And w- what's crazy is I went down the rabbit hole on not just that case, but then another case in Tennessee from like 10 years ago, and then another case that was super high profile. Um, and all these, I, don't know, I just started going down this rabbit hole of of murders, like random murders that happened. While, kind of, while people are running? No, well, no. But while people were out in a public area and kidnapping situations, so of adults, so it's kind of um, so adult napping, adult napping. Ooh, but adult napping sounds like naps. Sounds yeah, sounds pleasant. Sounds, <laughs> that's what I was about to say, <laughs> uh, but it's not. Um, so, so with this one, like if you're not familiar with the case. Uh, yeah, I think it happened last week, and she is like a mom, young mom. I think she's like thirty-four years old. She's a teacher, preschool mom of two. or kindergarten teacher. Um, and you know, runs. She's a runner, uh, and runs early in the morning, like at like four a.m. typically. Which your mother used to do. Oh yeah, my mom would do religiously. That all the time. Um, and. I, I think it was around, like, near the University of Memphis. 
not that I am familiar with the area, but um, she, so they got surveillance footage of him actually abducting her. And the way they described it was um, he whipped up in like an SUV and aggressively sprinted out of the car really quick, grabbed her, threw her in the passenger's seat, and then a couple of minutes later drove away. It's terrifying. Um, and then it took like three or four days for them to actually find her body, which was in like a duplex, like 10 miles away or something, um, or 13 miles away near his brother's house. Uh, but the kicker is this guy just got out of prison in 2020. He had been in prison for 20 years because back in 2001, he kidnapped somebody. <laughs> Did he murder them? Uh, that that would have been a longer sentence, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, it didn't say he murdered somebody, but it must have been a kidnapping that had Was it a more child? than just... I'm not sure. I didn't, I didn't look into that I thought you went much. down the rabbit hole. Not not that far because I got sidetracked to other cases, but yeah, he he kidnapped somebody back in two thousand one. It must have been more than just like a, he he took somebody for a couple of hours, you know? Yeah, he wouldn't go to prison for twenty years for that. Yeah, and you know, after all that time, then he does it again, but worse. And uh, there's something going on in his brain. Yeah, the brain chemistry is not right, and, you know, people don't rehabilitate typically in prison, I don't think. Maybe some yeah. do, but I think a vast majority, I mean, think, like, the conditions are awful. Your nutrition's probably piss poor. Like, yeah. all these things that are probably setting up, setting, and to think about it, he probably went to prison when he was, like, 18 or 19, mm. and he has learned zero life skills. Mm-hmm. The world is drastically different now than it was when he went to prison. Yeah. He doesn't have any real relationships, I would imagine, in the real world. He's never held a job. He Does, had a job. They interviewed his employer. Okay. Has a job. But he doesn't know. How, think about how hard it is just to survive. Like for us. Yeah. And then think about you don't have any relationships and any skills and any of that. And you try to merge back into society. It probably is a train wreck. I didn't and really realize that I was passionate about fixing the prison system until we just started talking about this guy. <laughs> yeah, it's probably a train wreck. And does he probably have mental issues? 100%. But it's probably also really fucking difficult to try to become a functioning member of society again. And so, you know, 2022, here we are, a couple of years after he got out of prison, he's probably crashing and burning Mm -hmm. i would imagine Mm -hmm. and you know why are you out at 4 a.m why you what are you doing he's driving around yeah he's driving around did did they figure out if he was on drugs or anything i guess it would have been much more details will come out as can drug tests detect stuff like three days later depends what the drug is was he in custody three days later or did they just find the body yeah he's in custody now okay so you think five days later you could have found certain drugs. Depends on the drugs. I'm just distraught at it all. <sighs> but, uh, so on the internet, everybody's talking about, you know, uh, everybody's upset because there's like this this back and forth. Some people are saying, 
how you could, how it's maybe unwise to run at 4 a.m. and how that's not smart and you should do this and that. And there's this other camp that's saying that everybody's trying to victim blame. And I, I don't, I don't know if people are trying to victim blame because it's ridiculous for something like this, but... No, people are always trying to victim blame, and that is the truth. There's always going to be nasty people on the internet. Yes. Talking about the worst things. But I think the vast majority of people who bring up, like, that there's inherent risk in everything that we do, and with a lot of things that we do on, our, on a daily basis, we calculate those risks. We try to mitigate it, mitigate them to the best of our ability, so, like, you drive your car to wherever you need to go. You don't drink. You try to be aware. You don't use your phone. Like you try to do these things to avoid the risk of an accident. But it's always there. Mm. Running at four a.m. You calculate the risk. Have you done it a bunch of times? Yeah. Was it fine? Yeah. Um, is it dark? It's probably not. You know, could you run during daylight? Maybe not. Like maybe she doesn't have that time. Teachers definitely don't have that time. Does she have a Peloton or a treadmill at home? Maybe, but it's not the same. Mm-hmm. Is it a nice area you're running to? Do you get burnt out from the same route every day? So you maybe need to run somewhere else that might not be as nice of a part of town that might be more sketchy. Um, do you run the same route every day and somebody can pick up on your pattern? Mm-hmm. If they are going to calculate something. Personally, I think something like this, with an individual like this, I think that that's probably totally um, just an impulsive thing. It's not like a calculated scheme that he planned out for weeks. I think it was an opportunity that presented himself or presented itself in front of him, and he impulsively acted uh, because he wanted to, and then impulsively acted again and killing her and all this stuff. I, I don't think it's something he he planned out and war gamed for like a few it's weeks terrifying. watching her route because there's no rhyme or reason to any of it. Um, Let's find out what his job was though, because if it was a job where he got off at like three thirty a.m. and he always had to drive by, because it kind of sounds like when you would see me in the wee hours walking to my shift at the gym. Yeah. You could have been a weirdo, and you could have been like, that blonde girl's always walking on the same sidewalk in the dark. Just saying. Um, let's see. It says they interviewed his, empl- his employer. Cleotha Henderson, 38 years old. So, yeah, I mean, he was probably 17 or 18 when he first went to prison. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. We're researching. So he apparently passed her in an SUV when she was running in a neighborhood near the University of Memphis. And then he chased Fletcher until he forced her into the passenger seat around 4 a.m. Friday. So exactly one week ago. Um, Are you not finding out where he worked? Hold on, I'm getting there. After uh, after a day a day long intensive search, her body was found Monday behind a vacant duplex. Yikes! Um, 
Oh, she looks like such a sweet lady. The Shelby County Public Defender's Office, which was appointed to Henderson's case this week, had previously represented him in a kidnapping conviction more than 20 years ago. That's interesting. Interesting. His prior attorney would not be involved in this current case, but ruled there were no grounds for basis or basis for a public defender to be disqualified as counsel. Hmm. Um, what did he do? I can't figure out what his job was. Wait, he was only 11 years old when he first was a juvie. Wow. Wow, so he's just been like this forever. Yeah, and we, we were talking... Some clients and I were talking yesterday about this, like, it sucks and you feel bad. Like, okay, maybe they had a bad childhood, right? Some trauma that led them to this. Mm -hmm. Maybe not. Maybe it's like a imbalance of, you know, proper development and brain chemistry. Who knows? Mm -hmm. But does that mean, if they if it was childhood trauma or whatever, does that mean that um, they should be out and about willy-nilly? No, because nobody else deserves to die. A mother doesn't deserve to, you know, not be there for her kids or her husband in as a trade-off for, for what happened. And it's like, what is the best situation or what is the best solution to this issue where you have somebody who you want to be humane about your corrective action, but you don't want to let them let them go kill people. Mm-hmm. And so my idea is you put them into a virtual reality world as that starts to get better. And then they can live a nice, happy life in virtual <laughs> reality, totally removed from the population, and they don't have a choice. People were talking to me today about the metaverse and saying that that really is like, it's going to be like a real thing. Yeah, it is. But... That's freaky. This would be like in the Matrix, like they're trapped in like a pod. That's or an something. idea. So I'm reading that he he first went to juvie at 11, and over the next five years, so that'd be from 11 to 16 years old, he would be detained 16 times for charges ranging from aggravated assault to rape. From age 11 to 16. He was, he was raping people. Wow. So, and then his dad was detained, or sorry, incarcerated at the time of his first arrest. So, and he was part of a gang. So, he's just been, yeah, on a rough path for his whole life, I guess. Nice. Well, that's nuts. Um... So did you find out what he was? No, he was I can't. I can't find out where he's working, but I'm sure we'll hear more about this as time goes on. I just know that it's definitely more of a fear women have, and it's unfair, and I hate it that like we are kind of taught to be on edge in situations like that. And I don't know, I think I've been paranoid about that stuff my whole life. And I don't know if that's like from, you know, my mom telling me to be careful as a kid or what. But or if it's just, you know, society. But I remember like 
I remember sitting, I think I told you the story. I remember sitting on like our rock outside our house. We had this little like boulder in the front of our house growing up and I sat on it and it was like really bright outside. The sun was going to set soon. And like this guy walks up, I'm probably seven or eight years old and this guy walks up and he's just like, Hey, pretty lady. And I was like, hi. And he's like, how's it going? I'm like, good. And I don't really remember everything he said, but I remember I like bolted inside and I realized he was like some guy that lived down the road who was creepy. <laughs> it was like, it was like a weird guy, you know? And it, it felt like he was flirting with me, but I was so young and I was already so scared. I'm literally in my front yard, you know, like I don't need to be that I'm in my front yard. My parents are home, but I remember being so scared. And then ever since then, I think I've just been more paranoid. Alex knows I've called him like a zillion times on the phone thinking people are scary. Like while I'm walking, I just am always on edge and I hate that. Yeah. I, I mean, that, that has to be a thing. That's the other thing. We, we kind of got sidetracked when we were talking about people victim blaming. Um, but it's, you know, I definitely empathize with, with women now more than I did before. I just didn't, Right, I didn't like have any women in my life really, and I mean, aside from my mom, your mother who runs at four a.m. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but I mean, there's like Whitman, small town. You knew everybody. Just a little different, I think. Like here in Jacksonville, I could see that happening much, much higher likelihood of something like that happening than in Whitman, Massachusetts. Okay. Um, now, could it happen there? Of course, but. Here, I feel like it could happen on any street. Um, yeah. There's just so many people. I mean, I don't, I was telling clients today, I don't even feel safe like on First Street in Jack's Beach, which is like I the nice. I don't feel safe in our neighborhood. Street. I mean, I feel safe. Yeah, I just saw, I we have like that neighborhood Facebook group. And I just saw someone post a picture of some like random man. He was, he's a homeless guy, I guess, but she was like, he keeps knocking on our door and he won't leave. And then everyone else is like, yep, he answered the door. He rang the doorbell twice. He was acting like he was selling something. And eventually he said like, he's trying to feed his family, which, you know, it's hard to know if that's true or not. But, um, you know, like there's random men walking through our neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. We have a registered sex offender. Two doors down from us. Yeah. Like, you know, there's just, there's always stuff like that. You just don't know. I think I had a bunch of registered sex offenders down the road for me growing up. <laughs> it was terrible. Yeah. But running is tricky too because with running, you kind of are eliminating your sense of hearing, which is dangerous. Right, because you're you're probably listening to something. If you're not listening to something, you're breathing heavily, so you still can't really hear that well. On top of that, you're exhausted. So if you mm-hmm. already are likely to be, you know, uh, like outstrength in some kind of way, then it's even more so if you're in the middle of your run. You're not expecting to conserve energy, so you're not really conserving energy. And if something happens, well, you're out of breath. You're, like, gassed. And that, it's, I mean, more so for women, but for men, too. You're, you're at risk. You're vulnerable. You're vulnerable in that state. If somebody whips up in a car mm-hmm. or anything, 
they don't even have to have a weapon. They could just be full of energy. Uh, it's tough. I mean, yeah, I like to think I'm a fast runner. And I do, like, when I'm running by someone that makes me feel unsafe, I definitely, like, have to think about that. Like, okay, I'm ready, you know, to be, like, going full speed, running 12 miles an hour. And then I realize that that's not probably going to happen because if that person's, like, standing there not exerting themselves and I've been running for two or three miles, you know, yeah. No. And Alex and I, I think I'm pretty fast. Alex never does cardio. When we sprint, he still beats me by like half a, or like a quarter a lap. You know what I mean? On the track. Yeah. So I just, yeah, it's near impossible when you're in the middle of a run. And like, I don't, do you remember that story a few years ago? I think it was like back in 2018. That guy who was running out in Colorado and. I mean, he does have phones on. He was, like, really gassing himself. And a cougar came out of nowhere and jumped on his back. Mm-mm. But, like, he didn't know. He he didn't see it. He didn't hear it. Next thing you know, a cougar's on his back. He's, like, exhausted because he's running. But luckily for him, it was a juvenile cougar. And uh, it made a move that was a little too ambitious. And somehow, like, through the adrenaline, he was able to can't remember if he choked it out or if he smashed its head with a rock, but he ended up killing it and like went home what? and got some stitches for like some wounds. But like, that's pretty incredible. What? So you are vulnerable, whether you're a man or a woman, there's always dangers out there. Well, that was a cougar, not a human, but <laughs> yes. But the point still stands. You could be out on a nice jog through like what you think is nice, peaceful nature too, where there's no human, there's no human uh, sketchiness, Mm -hmm. but there's always a risk. And as much as you want, you know, we'd like to say it's not that we should limit, like people shouldn't have to be concerned about what time they go for runs. And I agree. But unfortunately, there's a lot of things in the world that people shouldn't have to do, but we do have to do them because Things in the world are inherently bad. Mm-hmm. Like they're, they're those that'll never go away. Yeah. There will never not be sick people. There will never not be evil people. As I said, there's always going to be evil. There's like, evil in the world. As much as we want to say it shouldn't exist, you, it it's does. not going to yeah. make it not exist. So yeah. the best thing we can do is try to like look at variables that we could try to mitigate. And um, I don't yeah. know. I had a client today tell me that. She was walking on the beach. Did she tell you this story? She was walking on the beach talking to her boss on the phone. And she got slapped on the ass. What? By a guy just running by her. He slapped her on the ass. And she's in the middle of like a work call. And she goes, the only reason she was even walking on the beach while she had this call was because I guess she didn't have an office like an official office, and so she had to take her calls outside. And she's just like, hold on, I'm sorry. Um, I just got sexually assaulted. <laughs> and, and she goes, after that, I got my own office. <laughs> I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> so. Yeah, not cool. Yeah, like, dang. Um, yeah, just crazy. And then I remember hearing, like, 
that recently on First Street in the beach, which is like, that's, I used to live off First Street, you know, it's right by the ocean. You feel like it's like where all the, the well-off people are. It feels really safe and nice. Um, and I guess like the summer, some guy in a truck was driving around following girls. Um, I think like catcalling him. I don't really know, but like driving slowly by them as they walked, creeping everyone out. And this mm-hmm. was happening to like many girls because it was like, one person posted a story about it and someone reposted it and said, he did this to me too. And then that just kept going. So, um, you know, there's just, even like in a really safe area, things do happen. I really like, as far as like mitigating the risk, I do like that my AirPods have the thing. It's the opposite of noise canceling where like, it's annoying, honestly, but it makes me feel safe. Like I hear when a car drives by. Yeah. I hear. Uh, I don't like noise. I hear canceling. when a kid screams. This is, this is the opposite of noise canceling because I can hear everything yeah. around me. But it does drive me nuts because I'm usually listening to podcasts, not music. And I'll be like trying to hear what they're saying, and then it just goes out. You know, I'm like oh, just because like a, a loud car drove by. Yeah, I hate it. But that's nice. I feel like that makes me feel a little more safe. But if I ever do feel weird i'll just pull a headphone out you know yeah so i can hear um, what um else? some some there? of the other cases i was reading about were like i said it wasn't it had nothing to do with running but it was like adult kidnapping mm-hmm. and um the the one i read right after that was and i don't know maybe the listeners have heard this story, but I I had never heard this story. And it was a couple in Tennessee, also Tennessee. Um, 2009, I think. They were like 23, 24 and 23, something like that. And they were just like at a friend's apartment. And they, it was New Year's Eve. They went out to their car because they were going to go to a party. Uh, so they were in, the, in their car in the apartment um, parking lot. And they had, like, the driver's door open. I think they were, like, kissing or something. And these guys came up and, like, carjacked them. But, like, also bound them up and threw them in the back of the SUV. Yikes. And then took it to their, like, house in the ghetto. And then, uh, you know, proceeded to do all these horrible things with both of them. And then they took the guy out to uh, the railroad tracks and they shot him and then lit him on Uh. fire. And then the girl, they eventually um, like poured bleach all over her, put her in a trash bag and in the garbage can. And like, it was like such a horrible thing. And it was a, it was a case of like, it was like seven people involved in doing that to these two. And, I mean, you, th- you have to think, like, there's seven people all out there that were okay with doing that, like, all participating. And, and, it, wasn't, and it wasn't something that was planned. It was just a random opportunity that they saw. But maybe they, it was planned. The, the attempt to go carjack was planned. So I listened to their court testimonies. They planned to go carjack. That was part of the plan. But they never picked who. Like, that was random. They just saw two people. And then to take it to the next step beyond carjacking, take them back, do all that stuff, kill both of them in the way that they did, that was all random. 
that was all just... Were they on drugs? Yes. Okay. Yeah, they smoked um, weed uh, soaked in embalming fluid, (sighs) which I guess, I don't know. I don't know what that does, but... Clearly something terrible. (laughs) Yeah, but I wouldn't just pin it on drugs either. That's something they had done a thousand times. So Oh, it is? Not the killing, but the carjacking, yeah. I mean, they uh, were drug dealers. Like, It's not like they were living upstanding lives. But, yeah. But what they did throughout, it was like a four-day process. <sighs> you know, drugs don't last that long. So, yeah, there was a lot. It's like a horrifying case. But another case where there was no reason or no. It's scarier when you realize, like, oh, this had nothing to do with that person's life. This was totally random. Yeah. They were just in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah. I remember my grandfather, he, um, he like, he embalmed people for a living and, like, cleaned up people at funeral homes and made them look nice for Just very crazy. Funerals. When and Peckham is that kind of person. <laughs> he did that his whole life. And I remember I asked him, I was like, what is the craziest person you ever saw that came through? Like, what was, like... Was the craziest death that you saw, and he was he was like not not one that sticks out that wasn't crazy or anything, but I kind of like left an impact was this guy who came in. He had a bullet wound to his forehead, and um, he pulled up to a red light and looked over at the car next to him. The car next to him. The guy looked at him, pulled out a gun, and shot him in the head. What? They didn't know each other. There was no reason. And he's like, and the fact that it was so random, just looked over at a red light, it like freaked him out. Um, wow. It freaks me out thinking yeah. about that. Uh, you want you want to imagine that like there's something that they did that you haven't done. Right. That prevents you right. from being ever in that situation. But that's what, that's why, what, what do we call it? Victim blaming? Mm-hmm. That's why, that, that is always a thing. Everyone's yeah. like, well, it's because she was it's, wearing it's revealing more, clothing. Yeah, she was out at an, an inappropriate it's time. It's a defense she was running, mechanism. Yeah, she was running in an inappropriate It's like when Absolutely. you watch, um, it's like an immature thing, but you know when you watch like horror movies as a kid or a teenager and you're trying to like make jokes the entire time to... To dull down yes. the scariness of the movie because you are yes. actually scared. But if you can poke fun at things and try mm-hmm. to make other people not mm-hmm. take it seriously, it's the same concept. It's like if you can poke holes in why that person made that happen mm-hmm. to themselves, you can convince yourself that there's no way it'll happen to you and you won't be scared. But yeah. Really, it's just fear. Um, and the, 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 le- the last story I, I read was actually about Coors. Like, you know, Coors, Coors Light. Oh. Of course, beer. Yeah. Back in 1960, the grandson of the original founder of Coors, his name was Adolf Coors III. Mm-hmm. He was the CEO of Coors, um, and he was rich, obviously. But he had a couple of young kids, a wife, family. Um, I guess he had like a stutter, uh, wasn't as like charismatic, and he was allergic to beer. So his father actually didn't want him to take over, <laughs> I guess, is what they said. And, um, and he did. And he, you know, he was running the company just fine, I guess. But this 
this guy who was kind of a nut job. Um, another case where he went to prison, but then got out of prison. And when he got out of prison, he was kind of scheming his next move. Mm. And this one's different from the other two because this one was planned on a specific target. And he decided on Adolf Kors, third, that he was going to kidnap him. He was going to figure out his path, to, his, his route to work that he takes every day, what time he goes to work. And he was going to stage a breakdown on the side of the road. That way when he pulled up, he would get help from Adolf and then he would kidnap him. And then he would write a letter to his wife demanding $500,000. And if he didn't get it, he'd kill him. And if she went to the cops or the FBI, he'd kill him. And so sure enough, he stages the breakdown. Coors uh, goes to help, gets kidnapped. He writes wow. a letter to his wife. I need $500,000. Post an ad in the paper because it's 1960. Post an ad in the paper saying that you're selling a tractor. List a phone number. I'll call that phone number. I'll meet you at the location or whatever. If you get the FBI involved, cops, he's dead. All this stuff. She gets the FBI involved right away. Um, and they actually figure out who, who this guy is. But something goes wrong where I don't know if he, Coors wasn't cooperating with him or what, but he kills him. No. And then he buries his body. So this was in Colorado. And he drives him to, like, Maryland and then dumps his body somewhere in the woods. Whoa. And they end up finding his body and his remains. Um, but... They drive, or he drives that far away? Yeah. Holy Never gets the $500,000, obviously. Um, but Coors actually almost went out of business because of this. Wow. Right? Their CEO just like brutally murdered and kidnapped. That's insane. Yeah, that's what I thought. And then um, in that one, that one you can, you can convince yourself, like, I'm not a rich business tycoon. Like, I don't, I don't have money. Who's going to want to kidnap me? You know, it's like that one doesn't feel as, as scary, but it's wild because you're never immune to it, you yeah. know? Like it, you could be on top of the world and that could happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's crazy about that story is the guy who killed him and kidnapped him went to prison like 20 years and then he got out. Ah. And then he served the rest of his life as a driver for the Salvation Army and he died like 10 years ago. A driver for the Salvation Army? Yeah. <sighs> I don't understand how you can get out of prison after that with, like, a lot of your life left to live. That is... But that's another highlight of, like, absurd. why the system is kind of odd. Now, surely he, his story was different where he was done doing violence. But... Because he didn't kill anybody or do anything crazy for the rest of that his life. That we know of. That we know of. But <laughs> but still, uh, how can you kill? Uh, I don't know. I don't like it. But the, your story did remind me. I don't remember who told me this recently. But I was training someone and they were saying how I think it was like one of their friends friends or something like it was like in their circle 
they live in Ponte Vedra, and I guess um, someone that they knew's friend like staged her own kidnapping. Oh boy! She wanted to get out of her marriage. Oh boy! So to do it, she decided she was having an affair, and she decided the best way to get out of her marriage was to stage that she was being kidnapped. And she did, like, the ransom and everything. Like, I need, it was, like, a million or something. And she did this, like, to her husband. And her husband fell for it. Um, And she, I think she was, like, she had, like, run away with her lover for, like, a few months before she was, like, quote, unquote, you know, like, freed and able to come back once her husband sent enough money. (laughs) And so eventually she does come back, I think. Um, I think she made the mistake of letting him get the FBI involved. Like something, something happened where she goofed up with her own ruse and he ended up finding out that this whole thing was like a lie. And it was, as you can imagine, it was very embarrassing. It's got to be more than embarrassing. Like this could be. I think she ended up going to jail. Yeah. It's going to be something for that. Yeah. But. Just get divorced. Like, that reminds me of the the case. I was super, went down the rabbit hole in this case a couple of years ago. I think we watched a documentary on it. Um, what was his name? It was out in, like, the Midwest. Worked for Anadarko Petroleum. Um, had two daughters, young daughters. I think they were, like, three and five or something. Young. And uh, wife, I think his wife was pregnant. I'm not sure. I can't remember. But, you know, he... Fell in love with a woman at work and started having an affair with her. And this made national news because his family went missing. His wife and daughters went missing. And he was like this upstanding guy, had a good job. I remember this. And, you know, they lived in a nice house in a nice neighborhood. And he's like, he was on the news and he's like crying. He's asking for his family back. Reminded me of Gone Girl with Ben Affleck. Where he's like, begging for his wife back, but but everyone thinks he killed her. And it's hard for him to beg for her back because they had been, like, really fighting a lot and, like, being nasty to each other right before she disappeared. But she actually disappeared herself, just like that girl you just told me about. Oh. But anyways, in this situation, he was, like, crying and, like, but he's not a good crier and... He was saying how, like, he just wishes his family was back and he doesn't understand why. He thought that, like, they, he said they got in a fight and she took the kids and left and went somewhere. But it didn't make any sense because they didn't take a car and they, like... What? So, um, sorry, something just happened with the audio. But uh, it all unravels and they find, they find the bodies. And the two girls, if I remember correctly, he brought them to where he worked, Anadarko, and put them in the uh, petroleum tanks, or the oil tanks. And then his wife, he buried like in the ground somewhere near it. And he did all of this because he was in love with his coworker. And he thought the only way that he could realistically like have a life with her was if he didn't have a family anymore. 
And that was his solution. And then he tried to actually, like when this whole case was going on and like everybody was, the police were trying to help him find his family. He was like trying to get that thing going with, get that life started with, what's her name? Um, wow. And then when she like realized that he was involved, possibly involved, <laughs> just him being like kind of open to that after his family disappeared, she had like red flags. And right. Yeah. I'd be like, whoa, whoa. Why are you so excited yeah. to like move in with me and yeah. date me? What? So that was a messed up story. Did we watch, watch a show on that? that I think they made a documentary familiar. about it too. Um, so I feel like we should wrap this up, but I, this is reminding me of the best podcast that we listened to last year. You said there's no new episodes of. They stopped making it, yeah. But hopefully we got you in the spooky mood a little bit. This is honestly a really sad episode, but but the sp- it's it spooky season. Spooky. It spooky is kind of spooky. It's spooky season. It's like a pro. Next episode we'll do a, a real spooky Ooh, episode. Okay. Well, Ashley Flowers. Next what, dark and stormy night we'll do a, <laughs> we'll do a spooky episode. What's the podcast? It was now? called Supernatural. By Ashley Flowers. Yeah. She has a very great voice, and she is a very good storyteller, and she takes you through these, like, supernatural, spooky stories. They're, yeah, they're, like, myths and urban legends. You know the type. But we listened it. to it, um, like, every single road trip we had last fall, and it was it would make the drives fly by. She's a good storyteller. That's what I'm saying. She really, like, captured you. And sometimes she would put me to sleep, but it was... Good, like it was, yeah. it was nice. So, highly recommend if you haven't listened to her podcast, um, because it's spooky season, yeah, it's is really good. This one, this this podcast we just did was more revolving around true crime, yeah, right? People are suckers for the true crime, all those suckers. Netflix documentaries. That's all I feel like, it's always just, in the top, yeah, and that's always. what we watch, yeah, yeah. I remember one night I was watching one and you like went to bed. And I fell asleep on the couch, and I woke up, and they're literally talking about oh this serial killer oh, yeah. in California who would, like, slip through the windows <laughs> and, like, murder. He, I literally woke up to this one part where it was, like, he broke, he climbed through the front window and murdered the father sleeping on the couch. <laughs> and I was like, Jesus, I need to go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that and that. <laughs> oh, that makes me want to crack up. Yeah, I don't think it is smart. Well, because, okay, I don't know if this is a man thing or an Alex thing, but like, you just don't think about locking all the doors. You're not um, a door locking person at night. No, you I also, do. But you I also know, don't even I, close the curtains. I know that you're super diligent about. Um, I think you rely on me too much. I'm going to leave you alone for a week, and you're going to realize. No, I, I always the doors do glance over at the door when I'm going to bed. If I go to bed after you, okay, that's and good. not, I can only think of like one time where you didn't lock it. But other than that, oh, but I do have to. Uh, I'll tell you after the podcast. <laughs> um, the <laughs> curtains, though, like we lived the last two years without them. And we only we have, have one them. set of curtains. We have still two very open windows in the living room, which is not good. 
But yeah, I just can imagine that that would happen to you, Alex, because you don't lock doors. <laughs> just saying. Well, I was locked out of the house um, recently. I got home late and I realized I didn't have my house key and Savannah was in bed and I tried to, uh, and her phone was on do not disturb. So it's not like I could call her. And if I rung the doorbell, then Yoki would start barking. Scarlett would cry. It'd be a disaster. And I was really tired. So I just wanted to go to bed and I couldn't get in the front door. So then I tried the garage, which the garage is usually open, but then the door in the garage was not open. Usually, yeah, it's like it's always locked. So I don't know why I tried that, but I tried it anyways. Then I started thinking about all the windows and maybe getting a ladder and climbing up onto the roof. Should you really be sharing how you got inside our house? Oh, I'm not going to share how I got inside the okay. house, but I'm going to share <laughs> all my attempts okay. because it was kind of like proof to me that if somebody really was trying to get in here, they'd have a hard time. No, the fact that you dig. Get in, made me not feel very secure. Yeah, but that takes a very creative mind. Okay. One that serial killers don't have. So you tried the windows, they didn't work. Well, no, I did not. I tried some of the windows, but to climb onto the second story, it was like kind of wet out. It was just bad news bears. So I wasn't going to do that. So then I was going to knock on your window, which is right next to your head. I knew it would have likely given you a heart attack to wake up to a man knocking on your, the window uh-huh. right next to your head. Mm-hmm. But also I remember seeing a wasp's nest on that window earlier in the day. And if I knocked on that, I could have got attacked. So that was a bad idea. So I didn't do that. would have been fun. So I had just tried all these things. And like the house I grew up in, I always found a way in. If I was locked out, I could always find a way. Sometimes it took a lot. But I always found a way. Wow. But with this one, I couldn't do it. Wait, why were you locked out? Because you snuck out? No, because I would come home late. Sometimes sometimes uh, my if my parents didn't know, my parents would leave the door open. But like if me and Nick were both out doing our own thing on the weekends, one of us got home before the other. We might not realize that the other person wasn't home. Lock the doors. And then Y'all don't have keys? At the time, no. That's lame. No, we didn't. You guys should have had keys. Well. Anyways. You got into our house. I did, but but again, it took a lot of um, struggle and creativity. So don't try it, bad guys. Bad guys. Don't attempt. We have an alarm system. We do. We have multiple. And a killer dog. Named Scarlet and Yogi and... Mm-hmm. Yoki has become very vicious lately, so I definitely wouldn't try it with him. Watch out. Um, you did make me think of one more thing, and I'm forgetting. I don't know. I don't know. But this is kind of spooky, and now I'm kind of sad and scared. We get like a spooky mood light in here. Yeah. So maybe next next time we do the Dark and Stormy in a couple weeks. We'll do a spooky episode. I like this idea. And we'll tell our spookiest stories that we read Ooh, on the internet or something. Oh, uh, what about spookiest stories in real life? Yeah, I don't have a lot, but maybe. I mean, I don't have a lot, but you have I some? got a few. Okay. Good, we'll do that. All right, well that's the scoop on 
Um, murders. No, we talked about a lot. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We're a little tipsy. Yeah, hopefully your <laughs> dark and stormy Friday night is going really swell. And uh, till next time. Till next time. Next time we'll do it with coffee, and it will be. Professional. <laughs> A Better. more lively episode. <laughs> Toodles. Adios.